excited for this week's episode. We had a great conversation with Jib Hunt, who's the CEO of Kemper Snowboards. So cool. Yeah, it was fun. He's been in snowboarding since 1987, since he was 12. Started snowboarding midway through a ski season. He was riding on the ski team and kind of first gen yeah in vermont or where was it again east east coast somewhere yeah 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 he said hasn't been back on this on a ski since so he just jumped in with both feet and has been in the industry since the beginning and had a really fun story about bringing kemper back because um, he didn't start kemper in the 80s but he bought the, the rights to it and has brought it back out of went away in the early 2000s so it's a really fascinating story something yeah yeah it was really cool he he had some great advice for entrepreneurs, one of which was make sure you you build a side company or a side hustle before you fully jump into it on a full-time basis simply so you can test it and make sure it works and, and get good product market fit and that sort of thing. So a lot of good advice, a lot of good story here on uh, this week's episode. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's go. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Another week of the Midnight Founders podcast. We're here with Jib Hunt who is the CEO of Kemper Snowboards. Right. So Kemper was a brand back, it was my first snowboard when I f- first started snowboarding oh, really? in the huh? 90s. Way yeah. back yeah, when. Way back, way back, yeah. Uh, and so when I when I met you, I was super fascinated to hear that you were bringing it back because I knew they had disappeared for a long time. So yeah, uh, <clears throat> I've known Jib for a little while, but for the listeners, uh, would love to hear your background. Um, I know you rode professionally for a few years, um, but would love to hear how you got into snowboarding and kind of why you chose this passion. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I I grew up in uh, northern New Hampshire in a ski town called North Conway, and we had five or six ski resorts there. So at the age of three, I was skiing five minutes from my local resort. And um, it was 1987, so dating myself, I was 12, um, when um, I first tried a snowboard. And I had been skateboarding years prior to that and loved it. It's kind of tired of skiing. So yeah, 1987 is when I started snowboarding and it was super new back then like we, that was when burton was just barely coming out and some of those other brands year, right 10 years old was okay. burton burton started okay. in 1977 and that was the burton rep was at our um local mountain uh cranmore mountain and they had a, a demo for anyone to try and all my friends and i we grabbed a board and ready to make the switch and uh my first run i hated it i was <laughs> cursing too. the whole way down and then Second run, I, I, you know, got a, got one of my turns down, and eventually by the end of the day, it was turning both ways, and the, kind of the rest was history. Did you just switch that day, like it was skiing and no more? Yeah, I think that year, I think I was still technically on the junior high race team, um, so I had to finish that out. But on the weekends, it was full on snowboarding, and then. So it was kind of 50-50 the first year and then my second year, which actually I bought a Kemper. Kemper was my second board in nice. 1988. Cool. Um, I was full on. I was all in snowboarding the second year. So you were on the ski team. So that means that your skills are not confined to snowboarding. You're also good at 
at skiing as well. I'd say I was good at skiing. <laughs> I haven't skied since uh, the 87 winter was the last winter. Wow. Never been on a pair of skis since. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I, I went all in and was committed to, to snowboarding since. Interesting that a lot of that movement started in that area of the country, right? <laughs> Why do you think that is? Well, back then there was actually, it was like, a, you know, it was almost like a rap rap battle. It was East Coast, West Coast. It was yeah. um, New England, especially with Burton being there, was um, a huge um, surgence of snowboarding. Um, and on the West Coast, it was actually, it was Kemper and Sims were the two bigger brands. So getting right into Kemper, Kemper started in also 1987, the same year I started snowboarding. And um, they were, um, it was originally started by David Kemper, and he's from Ontario, Canada. He was building boards in his garage, and he was, he was still in high school. And he was purchased and went along with the purchase by a brand in California. Um, and during that time, it was Kemper, Burton, and Sims were like the top three brands. Um, there were some other brands like Winter Stick from from here in Utah and also Barfoot, those are kind of like the five really big brands, but the top three were Burton, Sims, and Kemper, and they were battling it out. Um, and and not just not just with boards, but they were they were starting a whole movement, right? I mean, they were kind of building the sport into what it is. Yeah, today. it was definitely pioneering days. Yeah. Even even myself and all my friends and everyone snowboarding um, during that era was was uh, really like pioneering the sport. You know, there we were kind of the the younger end of it. There were definitely, you know, some guys older than us, um, especially like, you know, Burton kicking it off in seventy seven who had ten more years ahead of us. But that was back when they were figuring out, you know, there wasn't, you know, there was like slide your feet in for the bindings and still the rope like the old snurfer and then eventually, you know, the the bindings with the straps came along. So we the boards are definitely heavy and cumbersome still when when first I first gen right <laughs> yeah they're more like second third gen no third but gen, okay. but um uh it was light years ahead of you know the early early days in the seventies early eighties yeah my first board was uh, still had that the tail like the fin on it yeah <laughs> you probably had a burden Woody no it was a Kemper I think oh okay it was the one that yeah. It was a Kemper, and it had that just, it was one direction. You couldn't right yep, switch. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating how far it's come. So you you were a pro rider from 93 to 98. Uh, what what kind of did you, what was your focus in snowboarding? Yeah, so, um, again, started, look, started in 87, and quickly my whole group and most of, you know, New England, like the guys and girls who really like got into the sport. A lot of us, it was early days. We're getting sponsored as amateurs, which I think it was my third year. I had a sponsor, you know, board sponsor with Mistral, and then we're doing all the competitions. And then by the time I was seventeen, I was um, a paid sponsored pro rider. So I did that for five years. Um, also, during then, I went to school for design. Um, and uh, which is how I parlayed my my career into um, becoming the design director at Burton for all the apparel. So, yeah, I, 
was riding for five years, traveling everywhere, getting paid, um, having lots of fun, doing contests, photo shoots. I, I don't know, up. Jake. Sounds like the dream life to me. Man. That's cool. Yeah. It was fun. I was out here in Utah a lot where the snow was good. And then, um, yeah, when, when college was finishing up, it was either keep, you know, pushing the, the pro career or get a job. And I had the opportunity to, you know, actually go right to Burton. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. And I was there for another five years. That's incredible. Yeah, 98, I was watching, I was a teenager watching the Warren Miller film, films every year, like watching the movies about what you were doing, thinking like that would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, movies back then, it's, uh, they don't really have them. It's a little bit different nowadays, but back then when you had to, they'd have the premieres and yeah, the, for sure. the VHS tapes, so like we'd, for snowboarding, I mean, skiing, even when I was still skiing, we'd watch those every year and study them and like, those are like our heroes and like, especially being in New England, seeing all the, you know, the West Coast skiing where it's like big mountains, Super deeper steep. powder, no ice. Yeah. Are the mountains in New England as steep as they are out here? There's, there's certain elements, but no, they're smaller. Yeah. Um, there's still some bigger mountains like Killington and Sunday River that have the higher altitude and they have some pretty steep runs and even like some of the like um world cups you know they have gs courses so there's some pretty technical stuff there but no nothing compares to out west the snow is a little slushier from what i understand is that it's right? heavier heavier um, icier yeah moisture there yeah so it's it's brutally cold bone chilling cold it goes right through you um the snow is heavier because of that moisture so out here it's you know, when it, and it says it's zero degrees, it actually feels like 30 degrees. You know, it coming from back east, it's not that cold. And then the snow is just so much lighter out here. So do we have the greatest snow on Earth? Utah definitely does. Yes. 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 I love it. For that reason, <laughs> this podcast was worth it so that we could establish that fact, right? Yeah. Yes. From somebody that snowboarded all across the world, that's great. Yeah. My, uh, my cousins, a lot of them grew up back east, and they would come out here to ski, and they're like, yeah, when we were skiing in the mountains, we mean hills over in where we're at. You know, they, they look at the Rockies, and they're like, yeah, this is nothing. I mean, this is so much more than what we had growing up. So just yeah. interesting, the comparison, right? It was, it was – I see it also, though, as an advantage. A lot of people migrated west, especially, like, you know, pro skiers and even snow, and snowboarders, because if you learned on the east, you're – hitting jumps and and riding pipes that were it was like riding concrete and you're beating yourself up every time you would fall and and you'd have to master riding on these solid jumps Good point. and, think and then you come out here and it's just like you could turn it up a notch because it was you know you're landing in powder and the snow you know even you know all the times i've been out here and even living out here now when people are like it's icy i i've to this day, still not seeing like blue, like glaring ice where you can see re your reflection out here. And that's like what it's like back east. So I don't think I'd like snowboarding if that was the case. Same. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound very appealing to me. Hmm. So fast forward, uh, you, I know you've been in the kind of apparel side, design side for the, the middle part of your career. Um, what brought about the switch to, to doing this, your own thing with Kemper? Yeah, so I, uh, 2003, I was in 
Vermont. I had been working at Burton for five years and I got recruited to be on the brand team for the launch of Virgin Mobile in the US. So Virgin Mobile USA. So I got packed my bags and moved down to New York City. Um, I did that for about a year and did not like it and got back into apparel and worked um, with a number of streetwear brands and even action sport brands for a bunch of years. And then that's kind of when I, I was seeing there was a, the, the growth and the um, a surgence of, um, of digital marketing and technology being involved in all that. So I actually switched gears and I was through apparel, I was kind of moving through being hands-on creative and more into marketing or both. So I made the complete switch and got into actually the ad tech world and was running global marketing for big programmatic advertising companies, Seismic and MediaMath for a bunch of years. So that's where I've learned a lot about online advertising and how it works and working with big brands and how they were doing it. So while I was doing that, I was still obviously snowboarding for fun. And I saw this um, trend that, you know, people that were 35 and older were collecting all the old boards that they had as kids and going to yard sales and trading. So this nostalgia was happening within snowboarding. And at the same time, um, in my opinion, snowboarding seemed like it was getting a little bit bland. And even like from a graphic point of view, it was all kind of blending together, a lot of dark colors. Um, and so with both things going on, I'm like, I want to get back into it somehow. And and um, I saw there was a couple brands that were, even Burton was bringing back um, select like old graphics from the 90s and a couple brands came back. So I started researching um, and I was able to get the trademark for Kemper because um, they'd been out of business since 1995. And um, what, what happened to them? Just for those that aren't familiar <clears throat> with that story. They, um, they, uh, when David sold, Kemper sold it to the company in California, that went for four or five years and that was like the heyday of Kemper. And then that um, company sold it to another company that took on a bunch of other snowboard brands. And um, from the people I've spoken to, they, they just started um, using less quality materials and you know, shipping Costco. And at that time, there was around 600 snowboard brands, so the market had been so saturated. Um, and it, you know, it was almost like 2008 in the, in the financial industry. It just kind of blew up. And you know, nowadays, there's like 50 snowboard brands. So they, they went out of business. They just they, so they didn't stay true to their core, and they you know skimped on quality, and exactly. people saw it, and they're like, forget yeah, it. It wasn't, it wasn't the same. It just all went downhill, and that was kind of the end of it. So have you had a, an uphill battle trying to re, revitalize that brand when you took it back over later on? Or have you not, had to deal with any of those issues? Not really, because the last owner and all those years of graphics were so bad and so horrible. I brought back the the first wave where and that's what people remembered where they had a great great products um they had i think they had in my opinion the better team even than the burton pro team at that time um and then burton took that over but um so yeah kemper was like 
you know, neck and neck with Burton back then on Smart. top. I don't think we've had anyone on the podcast yet that's taken a brand that was amazing, crashed and burned, and then has now revitalized it. So that's kind of a cool thing. I love yeah. that story. Yeah, it's fun. Has has the entrepreneurship, so you worked on the, the corporate side, right, for a portion of your career. Has this shift to entrepreneurship been what you expected it to be, or has it been different? Has it been harder, easier? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's definitely, um, there's challenges for sure. I mean, it, it's at the root of it, it's fun because like there's, you know, snowboarding's been my lifestyle, you know, my favorite sport, you know, all I think about, even when it's 100 degrees out, I wish I was snowboarding. So you maybe know, then the, it's wakeboarding for a minute, right? No, I've, I've never wakeboarded. Really? Wow, Not interesting. Once. So you're, you're holding true to snowboarding yeah. and that's it. <laughs> Never even tried you. it. Never even tried Good it. Good for you. Wow. Cool. Yep. I'm going to get you on a wakeboard. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not even, I haven't even wake surfed yet. Will so. you go if I take you? Will sure. You, go and, yeah. you, gotta, you would be amazing at it, I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd similar. pick it up pretty quick. Very similar. Yeah. I actually ride switch. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I wakeboard uh, goofy and ride snowboard regular. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Huh. It just feels more comfortable that way. I like, think you would love it. You need to get out on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, we're, I'm bringing back a brand, you know, it helps that the older crowd remembered it. So that was for sure. Um, there's people buying it who had Kemper as a kid and loved the brand and it was associated with, you know, the good days of snowboarding when it was all fresh and new and, you know, you're, you're getting in trouble for building jumps and all that. Um, and then, uh, actually, the younger crowd now, like the whole '80s, '90s trend, is is hitting home with the younger crowd. You know, Stranger Things going on, and a lot of brands bringing back all their older graphics and, and products. So that's definitely helped. And then, so that's helped, you know, penetrate the market. Um, but at the end of the day, my competitors are all these snowboard brands that have, you know, been in in the market for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So, um, you know, you're, you're trying to take away, um, you know, wall space from them at the, at the stores. But I think because we're small and nimble and applying everything I've ever done, especially the digital marketing and, 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 and just doing things differently, the ski and snowboard industry is so old school and archaic. If, if you're, um, and, and slow to change. So I think that's been a big advantage for me is looking at it differently um, of how we do it and, um, and how we market and, and uh, you know, if we need to make a change, you know, it's, we have a small team, so we can, we can do it where these other companies, you know, there's hundreds or, you know, Burton, I think, has over a 1,000 employees. So there's a lot of hoops to jump through when they want to do something different. For sure, making changes in an organization that size, I'm sure, is just excruciating. Yeah. And I would think, too, and I don't know if this is true, you can vouch for this or not, but it seems like because of your brand cachet from before, it's an automatic in a lot of times because they remember Kemper, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Kemper, let's let's look at that again. Is yeah, that true it, or not? It's, um, it's an attention, you know, it will get someone's attention if they remember it for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I've always said this is um, 
it all comes down to, you know, the quality of the product. So, you know, take the graphics off the board. It has to be, you know, a great board, um, rides well, great materials, um, unique shapes. So it, the riders have to like the board. And then the icing on the cake is, you know, it's neon graphics with a retro, you know, aesthetic for the, for the look and feel of the board. Cool. So, um, that that's kind of the the end of the day though the root of it has to be it has to be really good product so i've had that background and i know how things need to be made i know you know what i expect from riding so long and i know and the ski and snowboard industry in general is a very picky and tight-knit group and they will spit you up and chew you out if you know you you try to pull pull a fast one on you so, so, Jib, when did you take over Kemper then? I think I interrupted you earlier when you were started talking about when you took over Kemper. What, what year uh, was that roughly? 2018. Oh, so not too long ago, really. Yeah, it's been four years. Okay. Yeah, I was still working full time. I was, you know, doing it on the side. I actually, um, the first year I was still living in New Jersey. Uh, I joke, you know, the snowboarding mecca of the world. <laughs> so the Jersey I, Shore. I, I kicked it off in New Jersey, dirty Jersey, um, and uh, got it going. And then my family and I, we, we wanted to get out of there regardless, and we didn't want to go back to New England. We're like, let's let's go west and do something new. So I'd been out here many times through the years. So we we've been out here in Utah three years now. Was that a scary switch going from the corporate world to a, a new startup and less stability and all that stuff or what? Yeah, what was that like? a little bit. I mean, it's um, I've done it before um, for different things. But, um, yeah, we did the move and a new company. So, um, yeah, but I, I'm kind of one of those people. It's like, uh, you know, I got I'll find a way to figure it out. And just, you know, I felt I felt really good about what we're doing yeah it's you know there's a little bit of being scared and something new but um it's you know it's one of the it's part of being an entrepreneur in general is you're you've got to deal with a lot of stuff and new things come up all the time and you just got to have that um, personality mentality of like how to figure it out and if you can't figure it out um, hopefully you know someone that can help you figure it out and you know, within your network. So it's, it's about, you know, not getting focused on, it's being more focused on how you're going to solve the problem versus focusing on about, you know, focusing on the problem. I so. love that. So here we are in the Midnight Founders podcast and you're in the middle, you're in the trenches right now of entrepreneurship, right? What, what has made you Jib a midnight entrepreneur where you're cranking away late at night making things happen? I mean, what, what experience comes to mind when you hear about that? Um, yeah, there's, there is, uh, always something to do. So it's, you know, my, my aspiration is to grow the company to where I have, uh, people doing specialized tasks and roles better than I do. Um, so that I don't have to focus on it. Um, but I, because now it's, you know, I find myself, um, you know, working during the day, coming home, trying to turn off work, hang out with the family, family goes to bed, and then, you know, there's 
it's still a long on. laundry list of of things to do so you know that to me is like i don't always want to be doing that um like i said my goal is to hopefully grow this brand where i can bring people on to like offload certain things and and bring on people that do it better than i do it um, i think that's how the brand's going to get better and better is um not having me do a bulk of it. How big is your team now, Jim? I have one full-time uh, employee, and then uh, we do have, uh, with our industry, we have um, independent sales reps, so we have uh, about eight of them that cover North America and Canada. So they're not full-time employees, but I'm working with them closely. Are you doing anything with riders yet? Yeah, we have, um, I think we have about, 15 riders cool. mix of men and women at the u.s and canada yeah cool. yeah and then we have like some uh local kids we we hook up as well and we have kids boards coming out this uh uh this fall so in a month um so yeah we're gonna want to get some younger riders on the program as well I, i've noticed um jib that your focus is made in the usa and keeping things local is that right as much as possible. Well, right now, um, all the boards are made overseas and the bindings. But as we speak, uh, actually this week, we got the uh, unit next door to us. And we are um, getting equipment and setting up to make at least one model um, here in Utah um, for the next year. So yeah, USA made is going to be a part of what we offer. And um, we want to get that right with one board with a couple sizes and then um, the goal would be to scale it and, and, and see where it goes. But I think with all the stuff going on in the world right now, um, you know, just having all your eggs in that overseas basket and, you know, it's materials and, and getting your stuff out of the port. It's not even necessarily um, getting it from China. That's where our factory is to California. That takes a, that's, about a week to two week boat ride. We had our stuff sit in LA in a container for five weeks, like our boards. And that's that's the hard part where you're like, I'm just gonna drive. If I had a 18 wheeler, can I just drive down there and get it? <laughs> um, so frustrating. So frustrating. So there's an element of, you know, making it here in the US, creating jobs. Um, there's definitely a market for people who want USA made boards, but also just the control element of as long as you have the materials and the people to make it, you know, you're, you're, the cost is about the same when you factor in labor versus customs and duties and taxes, but time, you know, the, the months that people are um, waiting to have their product actually show up in a warehouse, you know, that can cost you a lot of money too. So, and it's also, you know, we want to do, um, have the ability to do some um, smaller run custom, you know, if we want to do a collaboration with someone or another brand, we have, we'll have the ability to do it here. And um, yeah, just the whole, our, my whole goal is to become the biggest, most well-known brand in Utah. So having some of the boards being made here, I think, you know, the riders here in the state We'll get behind it and then even just um american riders in general will um 
there's there's definitely a group of them who are all about buying USA made boards. Yeah, I like that it's made in Utah. We have the greatest snow on earth. We might as well have the greatest snowboards. That's right. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, so snowboarding season's coming up. I know it doesn't feel like it outside right now, but uh, you guys stocked and ready to go this year. Yeah, we um, are. My game plan, um, kind of going back to my earlier comment about being agile and, and being able to move um, quickly in different directions opposed to, to the bigger brands is our quantities are, are decent, but they're nowhere near, you know, Burton's doing or you know some of the brands that have been around for many many years so my strategy has been to be the first in the factory and first out of the factory so our boards um, actually landed in our warehouse in Salt Lake last week um, which is the middle of August and we'll start shipping um, next week um, to any of the shops who want it and customers have already pre-ordered online because we told them we'd be shipping in August. But there, there's going to be plenty of brands that um, uh, will be delivering late, or uh, I've already heard of other brands that are <clears throat> cutting their production. Like, um, you know, they won't be delivering, you know, 10, 20, 30% of what they're supposed to be making, and they're just cutting orders with shops. So for us, that's, I see that as an opportunity. And that was kind of the game plan. Like we'll have stock, and it's just all about you know letting all these shops know we have it. And there's there's a point where a shop's you know not gonna want to have their walls empty anymore because if they don't have product to sell, they don't make money. For sure. Very strategic. I like that you're you know watching the market that closely and realizing, hey, there's a gap. I'm gonna fill it. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. It's uh it's you know the last couple of years things have changed you know the way you've had to uh do business and run your business and i'm sure it's changed for everyone it's just a matter of um you know it's, it's kind of like anything these days if 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 you really want something and you see it in the store you better buy it because if you blink it's not going to be there it's just hard to get um, things made first of all, and then just getting it here. So you actually can deliver it to a <laughs> store. So it's so true. I'm not going to let my wife listen to that part. I don't want any more encouragement to just buy when she sees stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Kelsey, if you're listening, I <laughs> yeah. might be buying a new snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Jib, what, um, I mean, let's, let's think a little crazy for a second, right? What's the wildest story you can think of that you've experienced while on this, uh, this journey with Kemper? Some crazy thing that people are like, no way, that did not happen. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a sad one. It actually happened today. Getting in my truck, driving here today to this podcast, my good friend I've known from a long time in the industry back in New York called me to let me know that my New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey sales rep passed away two days ago. Oh man. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry to hear that. That actually is probably the craziest thing that's like happened to me. Having someone like that works for me pass away. And he was like really good guy. Been, been in the industry, you know, working in the industry longer than I have. And, um, he brought a lot to the table to Kemper. So it's, kind of a sad, sad day for um, industry and his family and just for us because you know, we had a lot of good things going on with him. So 
Yeah. What was his name? Uh, his name is Peter Seminera. Peter Seminera. Shout out to you and all the awesome things you did for Kemper. That's, yeah. That's too bad. So, Sorry to hear that. That's kind of a first. Are it? you close to his family and everything? I didn't really know his... Um, I never met his wife and his kids. When I... So we worked together at Burton, actually. He was he was the sales rep for Burton at that time. And um, it was always, you know, seeing him at Burton work events. And then um, we have a big network of, of people both of us know through the industry. And then when he knew what I was doing with, with Kemper, he reached out. And he had still been repping for other brands. So he'd taken it on last year and, like, lit up the whole territory like tons of great shops um and he actually um was our uh came on not just repping but he's also a sale our sales manager so he was overseeing all the reps so it was crazy just like driving down here like getting that phone call i thought this other friend of ours was just calling out of the blue and it's just, yeah i just talked to him the other day so it was a sudden thing, obviously. Yeah, sudden. Well, I don't know all the details yet. I mean, it was literally. I had a, one of my other reps uh, when I was walking in. Or that's he called me. I was gonna call him after this, but he called. He beat me to it. But uh, yeah, that's probably like. I have a lot of fun, like crazy stuff. But like, you know that that's a kind of a first. It's still kind of sinking in for me. Like, yeah, Kemper, like, you know, direct hit personally and business point of view well thanks for being on the podcast even though you're going through that challenging yeah. time yourself personally i'm sure that's a personal yeah low yeah. And, and hurts a lot so well um i mean you've talked about what's next for kemper sounds like the future is bright and there's some cool things happening right what is your vision i mean do you hope to i mean take 40 percent of the market share or you know put burton in his place in their place i should say what what's the plan what do you hope to do yeah, I mean, I think um, market share wise, I, I don't have a specific number. It's going to be a, you know, a slow climb up that ladder. Um, there's a lot of brand, brands that have been around who are way bigger and have a lot of market share already. So it's just kind of chipping away at that and hopefully capitalizing on their mistakes and, you know, working our way in. Um, introducing more products you know so we have we have snowboards we have bindings we have split boards we have split board skins um we are working on a boot we're working on a split board binding those will come out in the 24 25 winter season we have a lot of um awesome collabs coming out um this year and next we're gonna um this year we have kemper um, goggles coming out which is a partnership with Wildhorn, which is actually a, another Utah company. And then next winter, the 23-24 winter, we're going to have um, helmets, goggles, and um, sunglasses um, with them. We also have a partnership with O'Neill, where we're going to be coming out with outerwear and boards. Um, another one with Ogeo, which was a Utah company, is now owned by Callaway in California. We're going to have a full... Um, snowboard line with them so like roller duffel bag roller snowboard bag backpack cool um sign me up yeah we we have our boards in um riders republic the video game so you know there's kemper boards and video games now um and yeah and we have um 
some other uh, Maui and Sons. We're going to do a project with them for 23, 24. And then we have a couple other really, really big ones um, that I can't talk about yet. But um, <laughs> one is going to be um, with another company, a big company here in Utah, which I'm excited about. And, and the other one is going to be with a company that's internationally very, very big. So... My whole thing is partnering with other brands and doing other products that either we don't do already and they do better than us or um, a brand that um, is just, it aligns with Kemper and, you know, we can put together some fun graphics and, and so forth. Like, for example, um, this winter um, we have a Motley Crew board. So we have, wow. that's, that'll be in stores and we'll be shipping next week. So that's a that's a fun one. There's some retro going on right there, isn't there? Yeah, and they and they've been on tour all summer. They're on tour yeah. right now. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is there are a lot of cool things on the horizon for Kemper. Yeah, where I mean the whole thing is like, in my opinion, again, it's the the snow snowboarding is always fun. It's not the act of snowboarding, but like the industry and you know it's it's more well known now. It's it seems like it's just a little stale, watered down, and it, I'm trying with Kemper to bring back that fun and and the colors and the excitement and 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 just having fun with the sport and having fun in general in life right. and just kind of injecting that back into the the sport itself. Back to its roots, I like it. That's so fun. I agree. Uh, thanks for being on with us. Uh, how do uh, people find Kemper? Uh, how do they find you? Yeah, Kemper is Kemper-snowboards.com or type in Kemper Snowboards in Google. You should find us pretty easily. Our Instagram is our is our number one you know, social media channel, which is just Kemper Snowboards. And yeah, I'm if I'm I'm behind all those uh, the website the emails the social media that's you're still the man me, making it happen still me that's great um, answering a lot of that stuff so that's another benefit nowadays for for the consumer side is um, you know you're you're dealing with the owner most of the time that's so cool one last question Jim before we let you go if you were to give one piece of advice to other entrepreneurs in a similar you know, um, they're, they're in a similar journey. They're in a similar companies, you know, similar size or not, you know, what would you tell them? What would you help them out with? Yeah, I'd say it definitely helps to be, I'd say an expert or very passionate and knowledgeable about what industry you're going to be going in or the product you're going to be making, because, um, you can't fake that. You can't make that up. It's, um, coming, across as authentic because you're authentic is a huge thing. Um, that's one. And I'd say also, um, the side hustle route, like I didn't have the opportunity to just like jump right in this. And it was, it was a slow build while I was still, you know, working full time and, you know, nights and weekends, getting, getting it to a point where I could tip the scale and go all in. I'd say that's where, um, um, a, it's a, it's a little bit safer and you can test the waters and, and have a little more stability to know that it's, and feel that it's going to work or has a good opportunity to work opposed to just jumping in 
and, and then finding out, you know, it's not working and then, you know, you're, you don't really have any options. So I would say, you know, side hustle it for as long as you can. And if it's going great, then, then go for it. Side hustle it. Love that. <laughs> Thanks think, again, Jim. I think that's Thank the first you. time we've heard that one. I think so too. I yeah. love that. Side hustle it. I'm going to quote you on that one. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, yeah thank it. you. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.